Hi there. So welcome to our next lesson on organizational performance and organizational culture. So once we have understood what uh, mission, what visions are, we've discussed strategy, the next thing we want to look at is, all right, how can a company translate mission and strategy into objectives? How? When a company has a mission and has a strategy, how can that mission be translated into objectives? Because remember, at the end of the day, it is those objectives that will be achieved in order for the company to be able to achieve its mission. Right, so how do we do that? To do that, we will have to uh, use a module. We have to use a framework. And this is the first module we're going to be starting with. Remember in my introduction, I told you that there are a lot of modules that we will be looking at. And this is the very first one that we'll be looking at. And it is referred to as, or it is called the balance scorecard. The balance scorecard. Now, so the balance scorecard is a strategic planning and management system that is extensively used by entities to align business activities to the vision and strategy of the organization. Listen to that carefully because I mentioned that in my introduction. This is a strategic planning and management system that is extensively used by entities to align business activities to the vision and strategy of the organization. Improve internal and external communication. Monitor organizational performance against strategic goals. So that is the balance scorecard. It is a strategic planning and management system that companies use in order for them to align, remember, or translate the vision and then the strategy to the objectives, which are the business activities of the organization. But not only that, the balance scorecard also helps the company in order to improve their internal and external communication performances against their strategic goal of what they want to achieve as a company. Now the balance scorecard was developed by Dr. Robert Kaplan of the Harvard Business School and David Norton as a performance management framework that added strategic metrics to give managers and executives a more balanced view of organizational performance. So Kaplan and Norton believe that um, if we want to really look at the performance of an organization, we don't have to just look at it from the financial perspective because usually the performance of organization can be measured from on, on financial perspective. So financial perspective has to do with or based on the financial statement. So we look at the financial statement of the company. All right, the income statement may, we make a huge profit there. Okay, the statement of financial position, it is good, our liquidity is strong, we prepare a cash flow statement, no problem, we have a lot of cash, we don't have short-term cash problem, so like on that level we could say the company is doing well. But if we just measure performance based on those financial statements, then we are making a mistake. Because what about non-financial performance, such as our customers? such as our employees, right? Such as our systems, that is internal controls in place. Such as anything about innovation and improvement. How about that? So if you just say, yeah, we did well as a company, so you see the board chairman and the CEO at a shareholders meeting, 
then they stand and say yes um 2018 year ended was a successful year the company was able to make a profit of uh blah 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 billion ghana cities or blah 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 billion dollars and uh it is successful then we clap pa, pa, pa. no 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 that is not the only way we can measure performance because when you measure performance only based on the financial statement of the company then you are sabotaging all of these so how was our relationship with our customers for the year ended 2018 did we do that how what, what, what are the employees happy are we paying their salary are we paying their senate are we paying their uh, uh providing them with good working environment what, what about our systems, our internal control system? Are they working efficiently? Are they working e effectively? Did we do that? How, how about any improvement? Did, are we, did we train our employees during the year? Are we improving upon the softwares, the internal controls? Are we using state-of-the-art facilities, implements, devices, gadgets, softwares? Are we doing that? Because, you see, one-year success does not mean you'll be successful throughout. Because if 2018 some things didn't go well especially we were not too efficient employees were not too efficient employees were not too satisfied they they nearly went on strike the issue has not been resolved but you you, you declared a huge profit uh customers were not satisfied they they, they they lodged a lot of complaints you didn't pay close attention your internal control systems were not working efficiently and effectively but you still make made billions of ghana cities or billions of dollars now it means the following year things are going to happen and that is going to break you down. So Kaplan and Knowlton believe that we cannot just measure performance just looking at the financial statement of the company, clapping for the board for an excellent financial statement they have prepared, which you know that there are a lot of allegations about uh, window dressing, creative accounting, those kind of things. For the excellent financial statement they've prepared, for the excellent profit that they have declared, for the excellent growth in the dividend that they claim they are going to be paying, without looking at other non-financial indicators. And that is what we want to discuss here to find out how can a company have a rounded performance appraisal so that a company can really, really align its mission and strategy with its business activities. So that during the year, financial-wise, if we are good, but non-financial-wise, we are not good, then we can improve upon it so that the following year is it doesn't affect us that is the key thing here that is the key thing here so that is what we want to discuss under the balance scorecard so based on these financial and non-financial performance measurement technique uh, Kaplan and Norton describe or stated that there are four perspectives that we have to use in order to um, measure accurately the performance of management so let me put that down let's talk about it so we're going to have up here financial perspective right then we're going to have customer perspective then we're going to have um internal business process and then the last one is innovation and learning perspective 
So that's the diagram there for the balance scorecard, and we're going to be using that to. I'm going to be using that to really describe what we mean here. So we first start with financial perspective. The financial perspective, in a simple language, has to do with what profitability of the company. In other words, the financial perspective has to do with how we appear to the shareholders of the company. So the financial statement is it good? We prepare the ratio. Uh, we look at the ratio, we look at the income statement, we look at the balance sheet, we look at the uh, 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 cash flow statement. How did we appear? Was it good comparing from last year to this year? How was the improvement? So that is financial perspective. This is what you'll be doing in corporate reporting, like uh, 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 interpretation of financial statements. So profitability, how do we appear to our shareholders? Very important because remember, the objective of the organization is to maximize the wealth of the shareholders primarily. So that is the first aspect. So as I mentioned, yes, um, this year we have declared uh, with the economic downturn, still we were able to use our competitive advantage and we were able to increase profit. And we are glad to say that our profit is um, 10 billion Ghana cities and it's an increase of 30% profit from last year we clap shareholders are happy that's what we're talking about here financial perspective all right so how profitable is the business in the in the year under review that is the first aspect profitability but not only are we going to be looking at our profitability but we come to also now at a profitability level when we are doing the balance scorecard in as much as we are asking ourselves how do we appear to our shareholders are we profitable there are other sub questions that we'll be asking ourselves like for instance how should we create value for our shareholders to succeed financially so how should we create value so if you look at the financial statement if you look at our records if you look at our finances how are we going to be creating value for the shareholders of the company is it that uh, we have a lot of retained earnings so we're going to be investing that so that the share prices should go up or is it that we the retained earnings we have we're going to be using it to give paid it out to them as dividend or how do we in really increase the value of the company uh, of the shareholders so that we can succeed financially so this covers the traditional measures such as growth profitability shareholders value with measures set through talking directly towards shareholders so with this place we are looking focusly on what shareholders how do we appear to our shareholders then we come to the second one which is where which is my favorite customer perspective this has to do with customer satisfaction customer satisfaction so how have we satisfied our customers over the years and I've I've mentioned this throughout my discussions when I used my uh, when I used the uh, uh, multi TV installation technique for instance so if this month I was able to install hundred people so let's say uh, on every installation I make let's say um, what let's say I make 200 cities right so 200 cities by 100 that is going to be like 20,000 I'm gonna write like 20,000 Ghana cities that's what I made this month then uh, 60 of them called me that they had a problem so I should come and see and I was able to visit only 20 or 15 of them meaning that I did not satisfy the customer so 60 people lodged complaint I was able to visit only 20 of them that is one third 
meaning that the two third left I did not satisfy. It is likely that they won't make any re re uh, referrals for me. It is likely that they won't make any recommendation for me. Why? Because I did not satisfy them. So in addition to looking at um, financial perspective, we have to also look at customer perspective. Now remember customers, to satisfy customers, remember, customer usually wants, the average customer wants quality products at a low cost, right, at a low price, and some after-sales services, reliable services. So are we able to do that? Are we able to do that? Can they rely on that? When they call us for a problem, can it, can, can it be solved? Like for instance, recently, um, I think the earlier this year, people were talking on social media a lot about Airtel Tigo in relation to their data, that you buy the data and the network will not be working, but before I realize the data is gone, and they were they were talking a lot and I got time a lot to read a lot of the comments on the official Facebook page of Airtel Tigo. Now so many people were saying that they're not going to be using their SIM card again. Now if the company had declared declared a profit, they declared a profit suddenly, they made a profit, but now customers are putting their SIMs away, customers meaning they are going to be losing some customers and that is going to be affecting what their future performance. So how do we appear to the customers? Have we been able to satisfy the customers? Are we providing them with the lowest price or with the least cost? Uh, are we providing them with quality products and are we reliable? Are we giving them convenience? Are we providing them with after-sales services? Are we really satisfying the customers? That is what we try to find out under customer perspective. Now, not only is it about customer satisfaction because you know that to achieve our vision how should we appear to our customers is critical it's critical because you see your vision may be to become a leading educational institution in Ghana so if that is your vision to become a leading uh, educational institution in Ghana and across Africa then how do you appear to your shareholders, to your customers? You've got to satisfy them to be able to achieve that vision. So what, what do new and existing customers value from us? So we need to also assess that. So what are our customers? What do they value on us? Is it about the cost of our product? Is it about the quality of our product? Is it about how reliable we are? That's, that's the thing. We need to look at all of these things when we are appraising what? our performance from customer perspective. That's the third thing. Because remember what I said, if customers are not satisfied, they ain't going to buy any longer. They are not going to make any recommendation. And the most dangerous threat a company can face is when its customers demonstrate against it. So if your customers say you are not good and they start spreading the news on social media on this if you don't take care you will be running out of business soon so it's very important we satisfy our customers because when they are satisfied all of other things being equal boom sales is going to increase and when our sales increase remember who will be enjoying our shareholders will have an increase in their value then we come to the third one internal business processes Internal business processes has to do with the efficiency and effectiveness of our uh, processes. The efficiency and effectiveness of our processes. 
So how effective are we as a company? How effective are we as a company? Now, this goes through the softwares we are using, the system we are using, our production department, our customer service department, our recruitment, our employees. Those overall thing, when you take the organization as a whole and you go to every department, how effective and how efficient are systems working? It's very important. So um, there are financial institutions that uh, I know that I think every Friday or I think the last Friday of every month, they undertake what we call appraisal. Uh, um, they undertake an appraisal of each employee. So they have a platform. So employees log into it. Then they have, it's a questionnaire. Then you fill out the various things you do. Now that will help the company to grade the employees to find out if we need to sack some people or some people need more training or so like that. So that is about internal business processes. Why is this important? Because an organization that is effective and it's efficient, all other things being equal, will be able to satisfy its customers. And when you are able to satisfy your customers, boom, your sales is going to increase and your profit at the end of the day will also increase. So it links. It's not in isolation, it's links together. Then we come to the fourth one. Now, before I go to the fourth one, when it comes to internal business processes, a question we can ask ourselves is, what business processes must we excel at to achieve financial and customer objective? Boom, what I, I mentioned. So what business processes must we excel at? Okay, so is it our employees? Are they lazy? Are they not working well? Can we, have we, do we have to sack them? Do we have to bring in advanced technology do we have to change our uh, machines do we have to use a new software what, what, what must we excel at so that we can satisfy these guys so that we can sell more and make more profit as a company that is what we try to do when we are looking at internal business processes then certainly the last one is innovation and learning perspective innovation and learning perspective now an organization that is not doing this will be running out of business very soon so innovation and perspective simply has to do with how can we continue to create value and maintain the company's competitive position through improvement and change how can we continue to create value and maintain the company's competitive position through improvement and change. So what can we do different? How do we improve upon our businesses? Yes, even though things are working effectively and efficiently, even though we are satisfying customers, certainly there are some short, short loops, loopholes. So what are the loopholes that we can cover? What can we change? What can we improve in order for us to stay competitive, in order for us to outswift our, or yeah, outwit our competitors, in order to trick our competitors, in order to be, gain competitive advantage, in order to increase our market share as a company. That is what we recall, we, we are talking about in relation to learning and improvement. Learning uh, and improvement. So here, some questions we can uh, look at, or some of the things we can look at is acquisition of new skills. Right. Do we have to employ new people? As I mentioned, maybe our um, IET guy finished IPMC with certificates. Now, now, I'm not using an organization. When I use a certain organization, I'm not downplaying on the organization, okay? I'm just using it for my case. So, I, so our IET guy, the head of IT for our company, 
finished IPMC with a certificate in whatever software in 2005 and he is the same IT guy right now he hasn't gotten degree he hasn't improved himself and that is all he's doing you serious innovation and improvement come on that guy must either advance himself or we suck him and bring in somebody with a master's degree or a first degree with experience in current state-of-the-art cyber security because cyber security issues in 2005 information technology in 2005 is different in 2009 so do we have to acquire some new skills boom it's important we acquire new skills or sometimes it's not about acquisition of new skills but it's also about development of new products so now sometimes acquisition of new skills can come as a result of bringing people directly from the outside world to fill the uh, 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 a position in the organization or training and development developing our employees so it's very important now our employees they are quite efficient they are quite effective but we need to develop some training programs they need to attend seminars in order to improve their uh, rate so definitely our customer service so let's say that 60 people lodge complain and uh, we are able to satisfy to 10 it's good to some extent that it that should be somewhere around a uh, 80 something percent yeah it's good but then the one third that we are not able to satisfy it's serious so how can we now satisfy more people so we need to take our customer service department for a training for them to teach for them to for them to learn how they can really handle the issue so that we can satisfy the customers better so sometimes it's about bringing in new skills and sometimes it's about training and developing what the uh, internal uh, employees then the next thing is developing development of new products very important we cannot be selling one product that is all we have to develop new products we must do new things all the time so we have to find out okay what new products can we bring that is related to our mission that is related to our vision so we have to find out what new products must we bring so you could see here in Ghana a lot of companies bring a lot of products almost every time so MTN internet calls so calls internet 3g to 4g mobile money and now they do insurance and other kind of products other kind of different services that they are rendering which has become strategic business units under the MTN brand so do we how do we develop new products that is also a key thing why is this important because if you don't innovate yourself if you don't learn and improve your yourself as a company then over the years you are going to not be too efficient and effective and if you are not efficient and effective it means you cannot satisfy your customers and if you cannot satisfy your customers certainly you're not going to be making profit so the arrow goes that way and they are interrelated they are interrelated so it connects once you're able to do this so constantly we need to be improving 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 because that is what will help us to achieve our objective as a company so this is how the balance scorecard is used to appraise the performance of the organization now 
Brondent and Carlin identified the following important features of the balance scorecard. Now, so after um, uh, Robert Kaplan and then David Norton developed this strategy, um, another writer's artist called Brondent and then Carlin identified some important features of the of the of the framework of the module, and we want to go through that one. It looks at both internal and external matters concerning the organization. That's it. It's true. So it's looking at both the internal matters and what? The external matters that concern the organization. Then next, it is related to the key elements of a company strategy. Yes, customers, very key. Business processes, very key. Innovation and learning, very key. Financial, very key. So it looks at it and then Financial and non-financial measures are linked together. Financial and non-financial measures are linked together. So that is what you need to understand about it. Now, so what do companies at the end of the day use the balance scorecard for? So aside, like fundamentally we've said they use it to measure their performance. But what kind of performances that they use the balance scorecard for. Now, Kaplan and Norton found that organizations you are using the balance scorecard to do a lot of things. Number one, identify and align strategic initiative. So they use the balance scorecard to identify strategic initiative and align them. So they find out, okay, this is what we need to do in order to do this. This is what we need to do in order to do this when they undertake the balance score when they do the balance scorecard two link budgets with strategy very important so we look at our budget and we look at how efficient and how effective we have we are then we find out how can we improve upon that if it will be too expensive in in bringing in more employees how about uh, uh, acquiring a machine that can do the work of 30 or 50 employees that will help us to cut cost and also work faster so it helps us to do that then align the organization that is structure and processes with the strategy of the organization so the organizational structure and organizational process with a strategy of the company companies use that and then conduct periodic strategic performance reviews with the aim of learning more and improving their strategy so that is what Kaplan and Norton realized that companies are using the balance scorecard for various things as we have discussed but there is an adage or a saying in Chi that which means every sweet thing has a bitter side so even though it looks like the balance scorecard is superb is excellent if you use it like you are a company will be able to uh, 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 achieve it objectives there are limitations on the balance scorecard huge limitations about the balance scorecard so we want to look at these limitations right so some of those problems that we can talk about we're going to discuss about five of them and these are critical problems or limitations of using the balance scorecard problems or limitations of using the balance scorecard. The first one is conflicting measures. Conflicting measures. What does it mean? Some measures in the scorecard such as research funding and cost reduction may naturally conflict. It is often difficult to measure the balance 
which will achieve the best results. So, for instance, you're looking at efficiency and effectiveness. So, you're looking at the research department, and then you're looking at the management account department, and you're looking at the total objective of the company, they want to cut cost in order for them to make profit. But you're looking at the fact that research and expenditure has to be undertaken. So if you are appraising the research department, how would you say they did well or they didn't do well? And if you are appraising the cost management department, how would you say they did well or they did not do well? Because these are going to be conflicting measures because one, the money has to be released for research people to do their job. Now, if the money doesn't come, then research people will not be able to do their job properly. And if they are not able to do their job properly, you're going to say they are not good. But then the management accountant also want to show that they have saved the company some money so they will not be releasing the money on time and so when that happens it's going to be conflicting that's the first thing there are conflicting measures and even from the financial perspective also there are various uh, um, indicators that we can be using in order to measure the profitability of a company the liquidity of the company you know there are various conflicting measures so uh, from profitability point of view we can say oh the company is doing well but when you're looking at the liquidity side of the company and working capital is not doing well so at the end of the day how is the company doing it's quite sometimes conflicting Two, selecting measures not only do appropriate measures have to be diverse but the number of measures used must be agreed so what measures are we going to use to measure efficiency and effectiveness of our employees so we are doing uh, a human uh, resource appraisal or HR appraisal you're using employee appraisal like the example I gave you about some financial institution so at the end of the month the, fr the last Friday of every month they undertake employee as appraisal so what measures do we use it's difficult to select those measures that we will use is it about coming to work on time? Is it about completing tasks on time? Is it about um, um, how the customer, the person relates to customers? Is it about the dress code of the person? Is it about the way the person talks? Is it about the belief system of the person? Is it about the attitude of the person? Selecting the measures are very difficult when you're using the balance scorecard. That is the second thing. Third, expertise. Now, measurement is only useful if it initiates appropriate action. Non-financial management managers may have difficulty with the usual profit issues. With more measures to be cons to consider, this problem will be compounded. So, the expertise required to undertake this is a problem. It's a problem because um, depending on the kind of managers that we have, if we have managers who don't have knowledge in finance. They have knowledge who don't have knowledge in uh, managers who don't have knowledge in customer service how is it going to be because this leads us to uh, our next point which is interpretation at the end of the day when we even select a couple of measures how do we interpret like you are doing uh, employee appraisal okay what measures do we use for employee appraisal okay the time you came to work the time you leave the office the things you do on the average every day yeah, the time you go on break, how long you keep you you, you you how long you went for the break, or how many time how many hours or minutes you spent during break. So if these are the measures, at the end of the day, how do we interpret it? It's quite difficult on the interpretation stage. And then sometimes the last thing is management commitment. 
Now, if management is not committed in all of these areas, then we cannot, as a company, achieve our objective or cannot use the balance scorecard. Why? Because if you have a management who, who don't have knowledge about customer service, you have managers who don't know the importance of producing quality products, rendering after sales services, or we have sold, that is all. If they say they want something, they have to pay. If you have those kind of managers, then they are not going to be committed to really do this. To really do this. So the commitment of management sometimes also limits the organization in understanding and undertaking or using the balance scorecard as a performance appraisal or assessment uh, tool. So that is what you have to understand about the prob problems with the balance scorecard or limitations of the balance scorecard. Now, so the key thing we ask ourselves is, okay, if these are the problems, then how do we implement the balance scorecard in our organization if we want to use it? How do we implement it as an organization? How do we implement it? Very important. How do we implement the balance scorecard? So Kaplan and Norton gives some processes that we need to follow or uh, approaches, stages that we need to go through in implementing the balance scorecard and we're going to be looking at four of them number one translating the vision the organization mission must be expressed in a way that has clear operational meaning for each employee so the vision should be able to be translated so employees must know what we want to do as a company because remember we said the balance scorecard helps us to align the organizational vision and strategy with the business activities so if we don't know the vision, the mission of the company, and we don't understand the strategy of the companies, then certainly we will not be able to give off our best to achieve anything for the company. So the first thing is translating the vision of the company. The second thing is communicating and linking. So the next stage is to link the vision or the mission to departmental and individual objectives, including those that transcend traditional short-term financial goals. This stage highlights an important feature of the scorecard, that is translate strategy into day-to-day -day operations. So each department, what are you supposed to do? So we should be able to connect what each department is supposed to do every day, what each segment of the business is supposed to do every day in order for us to achieve the corporate vision. Of the organization that linking so that um, as I as I mentioned earlier um, the production department will not say I'm producing 20,000 units and the sales department uh, is saying that we are selling 10,000 units so, because when that happens the, the company is going to lose money if they can sell only 10,000 and you are too egotistic and you are producing 20,000 then what's happening so we must align all of the objectives and connect with them so that all will be synchronized and work in harmony so that the corporate vision can be achieved. Then, business planning. The scorecard is used to prioritize objectives and allocate resources in order to make the best progress towards strategic goals. So once we understand the vision, once we understand the, uh, the mission, once we, we are able to determine the objectives, 
and the expectation from each department it's now going to be helping them for them to plan okay if that is the case we have to do a we have to do b we have to do c if we have to increase sales then how do we increase sales meaning we need to sell more meaning we need to reach out more so they, it helps them to plan in order to execute the mission and then the last thing is feedback and learning the organization learns to use feedback on performance to promote progress against all perspectives. So once we've uh, planned how to go about customer uh, uh, satisfaction, how to improve upon our efficiency and effectiveness, we're going to be um, getting feedback and we're going to be learning, all right, this is how it is going. When we did this, this is what customers did. When we did this, this is the reaction. And it will help us to improve year after year as a company. So, at the end of the day, what are the practical steps in developing a scorecard? Practically, what are the practical steps in developing a scorecard? When we look at it, if an organization is going to implement a, a scorecard successfully, then it has to think carefully about how they are going to first develop it because remember you cannot implement something that you haven't developed so what, what, what practical steps so that's the final thing we want to look at here and the, and then we sign off on this so practical steps in developing a scorecard six steps one identify key outcomes so what are the key outcomes that are critical to the success of the company? That is critical success factors. We need, we need to identify them. So about customers, what, what's the done deal about customers that we cannot go away from? What is the done deal about our efficiency that we cannot go away from? What is the done deal about our financial objectives that we cannot go away from? Critical success factors. We need to identify key outcomes. Two. We need to identify key processes. So pro identify processes that lead to those outcomes. So what processes are we going to undertake in order to achieve those outcomes? Okay, so if our outcome is, for instance, to uh, satisfy our customers, okay, so what do we do to satisfy the customers? These are the key processes. Are you getting the idea? These are the key processes. Maybe we need to produce quality products. We need to uh, give them customer service. We need to give them bonuses. We need to give them, uh, we send them birthday cards. We need to do a lot of things. So what, what processes must we undertake? We identify that. Three, definitely KPIs, key performance indicators. So we develop key performance indicators for those processes. So now, we are supposed to satisfy our customers. That is, that, is the, that is one of the key outcomes. Okay. The process of satisfying the customers is producing quality products. Okay. In producing quality products, what is the key performance indicator? We must bench our, the quality of our products against the Ghana Standard Authority or the Food and Drug Authority, an international certified quality standard for the products we are producing. That could be a KPI that our product will go through maybe some, uh, some steps. I think uh, Star Beer, uh, I think they did an advert and they said the beer goes through over 20 different quality control measures before the beer come out. I think over 20 quality control measures. So it, that is key performance indicator. So we must make sure that 
to produce quality product it goes through this stage so every bottle of beer that is coming out did it go through those stages that's the key performance indicators for the quality product so for each of the other key outcomes or key processes relating to the outcome of satisfying our customers we must develop what key performance indicators then next one is data capture so we develop system for capturing the data necessary to measure those key performance indicators right so okay so how do we now measure like the BA illustration if it goes through if it must go through if it must go through 20 quality checks how do we determine a system that every bottle of beer is going through the 20 stage so we must develop a system that will be able to capture that data because it is that data that we will use to do our measurement so identify key outcome number one identify key uh, key processes that will lead to the achievement of the outcome number two number three you develop key performance indicators for those processes Number four, you develop system that will be able to capture the data. Then once you capture the data, number five, report, reporting. So you develop a mechanism for communicating or reporting the indicators to staff, for example, through charts, graph, or on dashboard. So you must now report. Once the data is captured, you must now report it. Very important to the to the staff to the management to to the board to the production manager to 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 the organization to see what they have done and then finally performance improvement we develop improvement programs to ensure that performance improves as necessary so if the bm must go through 20 steps and maybe on a certain day per the data um number 15 16 17 18 19 there was a break and so those ba we produced didn't go through those stages meaning there is a problem and we must make sure that that doesn't happen again so what happened that from 15 to 20 the ba didn't go through those stages but still came out so that we can avoid that in in the future so these are the practical steps that we take in developing a balance score card I hope it makes sense right that is what we mean by organizational performance but then when it comes to organizational performance not only do we have let me just open my slide here now when it comes to performance measurement also there is another module called the triple bottom line but your syllabus doesn't require that we do that it's it was only balance scorecard that the syllabus mentioned but let me just take you through that quickly this um this looks at uh performance measurements emphasizing on the three piece called people planet and then profit people planet and profit which what it simply means is that people has to do with making sure that the actions of the organization are socially responsible so satisfying our customers satisfying the other the community at large planet making sure that the organization acts in a way that promotes environmental sustainability that is being a responsible organization and protecting the environment and then certainly the third one is profits that is the financial perspective of the company so that is a triple bottom line where we measure performance using the three piece people 
how did we do with our employees how did we do with a society how did we do with our customers how did we do with our other stakeholders how do we appear to them then planets how did we react towards the environment are we hurting the environment or we are improving the environment and then certainly the last one is profit financially how did we do so this is what you must understand when it comes to organizational performance in the next video we will continue with our discussion and we'll look at organizational culture so i'll see you in the next video